Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch, fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Welcome back to Fantasy Baseball Today. It's Heath Cummings here with Scott White. Team hot on this fine Monday morning. I'm not sure it is a fine Monday morning as I went through the notes on Sunday night, Scott. We could do an entire show that's just welcoming back guys from injuries and talking about the guys going on the injured list. <laughs> it was an eventful weekend and especially an eventful Sunday. There's there's a lot to dig into here, so perhaps it's good that there's only two voices to dig into it. Yeah, less, it's less competing for airtime. Team Hot will get through this quickly, and I've got to run the show, so you're going to get to talk all you want, Scott. I will not step on your toes. You don't have to work about, worry about talking over Adam. Just talk over me. Let's start with your number one hitter to add from the weekend. Well, it sound it, it looks like people a lot of people have already followed through on this, but he is still available in twenty two percent of CBS leagues. I imagine a lot more in uh, in, in 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 other places, other leagues. Um, Clint Frazier, who has his job security has gone way up um, since we last talked about him. Aaron Judge going on the DL with a significant oblique strain so he's going to be out a while and meanwhile Cliff Frazier just continues to rake he had three home runs over the past week I think the most encouraging thing is that his strikeout percentage his strikeout rate is below 20 percent he's looking like he's getting an opportunity to break through and is finally breaking through and of course that leads us into probably the biggest news from the weekend Aaron Judge with a significant oblique strain we don't like any type of oblique strain. This is one of the worst types of injuries that's not a season ender necessarily for hitters because it can just nag and nag and nag. Do you have any idea on Monday how long we think this is going to keep Judge out? They haven't offered a timetable. I would just be guessing. Um, I would think like two months, Oof. maybe the six to eight week timetable. But it could be longer than that. I, I don't think it would be shorter than that. Because for Frazier to lose playing time, he needs Hicks and Stanton to come back and judge? Or do you think when two of those guys are back, he might be in trouble? Well, it depends how he continues to perform. There, There's an opening, even if everybody's healthy, um, there's an opening for him in, in Brett Gardner's place. Like, time to phrase, phase out Brett Gardner. He's not off to a great start. He's old, etc. Make him a fourth outfielder. Uh, you know, if, if just one guy's out, then I think I think there's there's clearly an opening there for Frazier. And I, uh, the way he's performing, I don't know why they'd take him out. I am a little bit surprised that Frazier's only 78%, but when I was looking through for the guys to add this week, one guy I was shocked. He's not available in our leagues because we were talking about him in March and the possibility he was going to win this job. But Ryan McMahon gained second base eligibility. is still just 72% owned. First base, second base, you can use him at either the corner or middle infield positions. He has that course field effect. Would you rather have Frazier over McMahon, and shouldn't both these guys be close to 90% owned? Yes. I, I would I would actually rather have McMahon. I, Me too. I feel like because it's Coors Field and looking at his minor league track record, remembering what he did this spring, 
I feel like there's a chance he's just an out-and-out stud, and I'm not sure the upside is quite that high for Frazier. Uh, you know, after that two-homer return, McMahon, I think, went one for 11 with three strikeouts, so it wasn't—he he didn't he didn't exactly uh, follow through on it. But, you know, it's still—we're talking about a tiny sample size for a guy with significant upside. And, and second base, among the positions where both of these players are eligible, I think it's, it's clearly the weakest, and— um, it it would it would be hard not to start him if even in shallow leagues. So add Clint Frazier, add Ryan McMahon. Let's get to the pitchers. Who is your top pitcher to add? Is Mike Soroka too owned yet? No, <laughs> he's not. He's less owned than than Frazier. He's I don't I think he's right around sixty percent owned. And yeah, he would be the most interesting pitcher to add. I think uh, it kind of played out like I thought it would this weekend. Whoever had the best start between him and Tuki Toussaint got to stick around. Toussaint was terrible in his start after that great long relief appearance. Gave up seven runs in less than two innings. So he got sent down. Soroka has a spot, uh, at least until he blows it, because obviously the Braves have a lot of a lot of reserves there in the minors that they could try. But interesting pitcher whose strikeouts have been, you know, he, he improved his strikeout rate last year when he was healthy and... Uh, Really a, a, a diverse arsenal, four pitches, got a good number of swinging strikes in that first start. It just seems like a really polished pitcher for a 21-year-old. That's always been the scouting report on him. So I'm excited to see where this goes. And he is only, it looks like, 54% owned, so that's a good one. I'm going to go a little bit higher, but Luke Weaver was one of the most added players from the weekend. He's still just 72% owned. I think he should be near universally owned, and definitely when he's a two-start pitcher. So let's move on to the big news, and there is a bunch of it. Francisco Lindor is back, and he donged on Sunday. Aaron Judge, of course, we talked about him on the 10-day IL with a pretty significant strained oblique. Starling Marte was placed on the IL with an abdominal wall injury. What's an abdominal wall injury, Scott? I don't I don't know. That sounds like what Matt Kemp suffered too. It that's a new one, the the wall injury. I, I hadn't heard of that before. It, Kemp it sounds like is going to avoid the IL for whatever that's worth, but um I don't think I don't think that's supposed to be a long absence. So Brandon Morrow was shut down it sounds like forever, but at least until further notice, uh, he was working his way back. Pedro Strope, I guess, looks pretty safe now as the Cubs closer. Yeah, he did blow a save this weekend, but he's been he's been fine, and I don't know who they who else they'd go with. So that that played out pretty nicely if you invested in Pedro Strope. Tuki Toussaint, you mentioned, was sent down to AAA. Also, Corbin Burns sent down to AAA. You're not holding on to either one of these guys. I mean, in a deep enough league, it would probably have to be like 15 or deeper. I'd, I'd at least think about it. But even then, I'd check to see what's available. Joey Votto missed the weekend with back stiffness. He's always a topic of conversation on this show. Are you starting Joey Votto this week? Uh, I think he's supposed to be ready to go. If it's a shallow league scenario and you're looking to get like a Ryan McMahon in, maybe I'd play it safe and bench Votto, but for the most part, I think I'm starting him. Rich Hill supposed to rejoin the rotation on Sunday. There's no way we ever start Rich Hill when he's supposed to start the following Sunday, right? <laughs> How many yeah, times has Rich Hill been... Only takes it being pushed back one day, and you're 
You're sunk. Uh, Mike Moustakis has a fractured tip of a finger. He will not go to the injured list. Jacob DeGrom played catch twice, even though there's still talk that he may get an MRI on Monday. What are the Mets doing? I don't know. For it, it seemed like they were going to pass on the MRI entirely. So it, it, you know, and that was that was coming from doctors. They weren't sure that it was it was necessary. Uh, he's probably fine. I, I, I think I'd start him. I think I'd start Oof. him because he's supposed to go. Uh, he's supposed to go against Milwaukee, assuming he gets cleared. And obviously, the upside is so high. Um, but it would depend on what my alternatives were. And Austin Meadows is on the injured list with right thumb sprain. We will have more injury note news in just a moment. Let's first get to the weekend standouts. And I'm kind of mad that Scott stole my hitter. It was everybody's hitter. It was Clint Frazier. Had a dong on Saturday, a dong on Sunday. He's hitting 339. He is red hot. And he's going to get to play all that he wants. So I'll give my pitcher. And it was Kyle Hendricks on Friday night. 11 strikeouts, no earned runs, over seven innings against the Pirates. Are the Pirates just this bad? Do you have some hope for Kyle Hendricks again? He has been a very good pitcher in the past, never really a high strikeout pitcher. You look at the peripherals, and it looks like he's gotten steadily worse, but not like he should not be as bad as he was at the start of this year. Do you feel confident? Is Hendricks back in the trust zone? I wouldn't say he's in the trust zone, but I don't I, I don't think I would have been dropping him in the first place. He got more dem- depth on his sinker in this start. That would have been an issue for him. Um, it, it, the, it looked more like it was up to speed and obviously a very important pitch for him. Got a lot of swinging strikes on the changeup, another important pitch. I look at his career and I, I see it more as there was one outlier season where he contended for a Cy Young award. But otherwise, he's been a reliable run preventer on a good team. And that's good enough for me to roster him, certainly. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, if he got dropped, I think I'd be picking him up. What other standouts did you have from the weekend? <laughs> Where to begin? Where to begin? Christian, Christian <laughs> Walker is another hitter I'm looking to add again. He is dealing with a little bit of a nagging injury, but it, it's, you know, he's, he's supposed to be back in the lineup uh, next game. So he's good. Um, gosh, there were a lot of pitchers who had been great who suddenly struggled, like uh, like uh, Colin McHugh. Uh, that was weird yesterday at Texas. Uh, but after four awesome starts, I'm not... I'm not so concerned about it. I feel like Texas is one of those places where these things happen sometimes. It was it actually rated as the most hit favorable hitters park in baseball last year, even over Coors Field. Garrett Cole was terrible, too. Man, just a terrible weekend for Astros pitchers. But uh, he thought he was tipping his pitches, so that might explain that. Uh, speaking of tipping pitches, the, the Rangers thinks that that's what's going on with Jose LeClerc, who... Um, Managed to almost had another disastrous blown save yesterday. Um, ended up getting bailed out from the blown save, but it was it was a bad outing, and uh, it kind of explains what you were talking about last time we brought him up, Heath, about how he wasn't getting the swinging strikes he was last year. They they're not swinging at the changeup when it it doesn't it it seems weird that they want to be as effective as that pitch has been for him. 
So the Rangers are going to look into that more. Meanwhile, they're sticking with Leclerc as their closer. Um, I don't know. Where else do you want to go? There's, I, there's, I think there's, that's good. I've, I've, got, got... I've got five pages of notes here. <laughs> We're not going to get to all of those, but uh, we'll get to as much as we can. I've got three names here, and maybe some of them are in your notes. Maybe some of them are not. But I'm just curious. We've doubted all three of these players to varying degrees. So is it time to stop doubting Jock Peterson, Carlos Rodon, and Tim Anderson? Um, I feel the same about Tim Anderson as I always have, so I guess that would be <laughs> doubt. And Jock Peterson, I didn't have any doubts against when he's facing right-handed pitchers. But he's been so good that it doesn't matter that he sits out two or three days a week because he's, he's got 10 home runs already. I don't think they face that many left-handed pitchers. Am I wrong? He only has... He doesn't have a single hit against a left-hander this year. Of course, he doesn't play against them that much. I think he's like 0 for 10. Um, And yeah, they faced... The last lefty they faced was April 5th when they faced four in a row, and he didn't start any of those games. So it really hasn't mattered the past, what, two, three weeks? Uh, Just because they haven't faced any lefties. Two and a half weeks? If, yeah, if I mean, he's if he's this good against righties, it doesn't matter if he sits against lefties. Well, it matters. Yeah, I mean, you can't if they're facing four lefties in a week, you're not going to start him. But he's if sat out four games already this year, and he has ten home runs. What? What was he's, that? He sat out four games already this year, and he has ten home runs. Yes, but you wouldn't have started him the week he faced. Like I said, there were four lefties in a row. Um. He started only three of the team's first eight games because of all the lefties they happened to face at the beginning of the year. And he's only sat one time since, and that happened to be against a righty. I guess they wanted to work somebody else in. But, but yeah, there's still—I'm not saying he's—look, obviously a daily league, he's work, worth owning because you can play the matchups to the fullest extent. Weekly league, he's still worth owning probably because he's must-start— whenever they're facing a bunch of righties, but it, I don't think he's just automatically start him no matter, no matter what the matchups look like. So the answer is no, it's not time to stop doubting Jock Peterson. Is it time to stop doubting Tim Anderson? He has nine stolen bases now this season. His strikeout rate is below 20% for the first time in his career. He's already hit four home runs. Hasn't he shown enough that he's improved as a hitter or at least as a fantasy producer? I mean, to the extent he needs to be owned, sure, but certainly in a points league, I'd be looking to sell high. In a categories league, you know, he got off to this kind of start with the steals last year and still finished in his usual 20 range, so I'm not sure he's going to stick with this aggressive approach. Like, he's never had it before. He's never stuck with it before. I don't know why he would now. And as little as he walks, you know, he's obviously not going to hit over 400 forever. Um if he hits no, I, in the high 200s, okay, he'll be good. But uh, doesn't have the track record for that. I'm, you know, I'm not really changing my tune on him. Well, then we've only got one name left, and it's the one that I would like for you to change your mind on the most. It's Carlos Rodon as a 2.89 ERA. His FIP is even better than that so far this year. 2.45 FIP, 28 innings in five starts. He's three and two, 11.3 K per nine. The walks are right about in the same range as they were. They've always been. They're not as bad as they've been when Rodon's been really bad, but still at 3.8 walks per nine. So the walks are still a bit of a problem. But other than those, he's been fantastic. 
Yeah, he has. I think he's must own. I'm not totally convinced this is like the big breakout, but there's enough evidence of it. He had he was a guy uh, before this last start. He had been doing kind of the Patrick Corbin trick of featuring his slider more than ever, and obviously it was paying dividends. That wasn't so much the case in this last start, but it was still a really good start. So, um, you know, obviously whatever he was doing, he recognized he was getting the results he needed to with it. I'm I'm encouraged. I'm I'm willing to see how it where it takes him. Hey, that's the that's the most. Uh, I think that. Carlos Rodon won that section. We're going to talk about who we added and dropped this weekend, as well as the most added players and much, much more right after this. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Okay, Scott, who did you add and drop this week? I, I know the answer to this question. I don't know why I need to ask you because... I see all the emails and see where you outbid me on certain players that I wanted. I added Homer Bailey, Mike Miner, and Frankie Montas all in the same league this week. Well, that is interesting. <laughs> Pictures I don't really like. Though I, I did end up with Homer Bailey in both of my 15-team leagues. I had a modest bid on him and won both. So I guess that shows you where the rest of the in- industry you is, like Miner, is right? sitting with him. I like who? Mike Miner. Yes, I do like Mike Miner. Okay. I do like Mike Miner because not only is he pitching deep into games, already three seven-inning starts, but his swinging strike rate is what it was when he was pitching out of the bullpen two years ago with the Royals. Don't need to remind you it's a small sample size. It could come back down to earth, but that you know it, it dropped a lot with his return to the rotation last year and now it's back up and he's a two-star pitcher this week so yes i was i made sure he was owned everywhere he was still available he's up to 86 percent now so that wasn't that uh you know you probably can't get him now at least not in a cbs league um i did add hunter dozier in a league where i needed an extra bat because i like his matchups this week i did I liked Dwight Smith's matchups this week and was looking to add him in, in Tau Wars, a 15-team five outfielder league. I got outbid for him. Somebody bid like a $1,000 budget. Somebody bid like 180 to get Dwight Smith. I thought that was going overboard, but, you know, his stock seems to be up. 48% ownership seems a little low. I wouldn't go much higher than that. Um, but, yeah, those were some of the players I was looking at. Yeah, I added Luke Weaver for sure. The one that I, I think we can talk about maybe more later, but Jared Eikhoff, he, I think he probably needs to be owned in close to 20, 25% of leagues. I mean, that's not a very, those, those are mostly deep leagues. And there is a chance that he just holds on as the fifth starter for the Phillies. A chance, but I wasn't, I wasn't impressed by this, this latest start. It, well, it was you know, at wasn't. It was at Coors, yeah, but he walked four. He got um, like 10 swinging strikes. He did have eight strikeouts, but it wasn't with an impressive swinging strike total. And when they sent down um, 
when they sent down Nick Pavetta, based on their comments, it was clearly with an eye of bringing him back up as soon as he showed potential again. So I don't know that they're that committed to to Eikhoff. But, you know, if we're, you're talking about just 25% ownership, that's not... I, I don't think that's out of sorts, out of line. Let's get to the bullpen news. There was another player on my most added list. Um, Rowenis Leas for the Mariners had a save on Friday. Swarzak got the save on Saturday. We'll start with the Mariners bullpen. Is it just a committee situation and you have no confidence in who the closer is? Or do you think it's Swarzak? Which one do you think it is? I think it's Swarzak. Uh, I'm trying to remember the circumstances surrounding that Elias save. If it was um, an extra inning situation, maybe Strickland allowed a home run and sent it to the. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was it was nothing that made me think. Okay, there. Well, he actually saved. Th- he actually saved Thursday's game and Friday's game. Back. To oh, there was days. two saves. Okay, yeah. So I may be. Okay. Um, but I I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's Strickland. He's allowed a home run in each of his past two appearances. Swarzak. But I, yeah, Swarzak. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it would it would be a deeper league where I was adding a lease. Uh, Ryan Brazier saved all three games at Tampa Bay. You feel fully confident he's the closer for the Red Sox? I feel fully confident that between him and Barnes, Brazier's the one I want to own. Yes, Barnes <laughs> did sneak in there with the save. And there was a couple of outings where Brazier worked uh, prior to the ninth inning, so they're going with they're going with the less than traditional bullpen usage here. But you know, Brazier is obviously getting the the high percentage of of save opportunities for the Red Sox. We talked about Jose Leclerc. He's now allowed seven earned runs in his last six appearances. Walked three straight batters before he got pulled on Sunday. We talked about Pedro Strope. A little bit more confidence in him. Now that uh, there really isn't any, anybody to challenge him. He did blow a save on Sunday, though. I want to talk about Hector Neris and the Phillies bullpen. He got a five-out save at Colorado on Saturday. How would you rank the six or seven Phillies relievers that are going to get saves the rest of the year? I think Neris has jumped to number one, clearly. Um, he's gotten their last two saves, converted them both. Guy who was really dominant down the stretch last year and with David Robertson on the IL presently don't think he's expected to miss a long time but he wasn't being used in like you'd expect a closer to be used at all prior to going on the IL and was struggling and you know Sir Anthony Dominguez hasn't touched the ninth inning really all year um you know the the thinking coming into the year is if it wasn't Robertson it was Dominguez I think it's Neris as much as the as much as it can be anybody for the Phillies, and they are going to be the most annoying of all the committee, the closer committees this year. I think it's Neris. Cody Allen has been bad lately. He was very bad over the weekend. Sergio Romo did get a save on Friday. It looks pretty clear he's the Marlins closer. Let's go over one more team though, because Taylor Rogers did have a two inning save on Saturday. He had another save on Sunday. It was kind of a weird situation because Blake Parker missed the weekend with a bit of a stomach bug. How do you feel about the Twins relievers moving forward? I think that's still pretty murky, but Blake Parker does seem to be at the the top dog there. 
Taylor Rogers. I don't think either of the saves were clean. And, and I think he gave up at least a run in both. Um, he's going to be in the mix some as a lefty who uh, may be their best reliever. But I think Blake Parker is still the guy to own there. All right, let's get to the other news from the weekend before we get to the third section of news because, there, yes, there was just that much news over the weekend. Danny Duffy will rejoin the Royals rotation this week. The Pirates called up Brian Reynolds and Cole Tucker. Do they matter to you, Scott? No, not really, not really. <laughs> I mean, keep an eye on them, but they're not, they're not prospects I was eager, you know, anxiously anticipating their arrival. Uh, Matt Shoemaker will miss the rest of the season with a torn ACL, so you can drop him. Joey Wendell was activated from the injured list and started on Sunday. Are we concerned at all about playing time for either Yandy Diaz or Brandon Lau? Not really. Helping the situation is, and this is obviously disappointing news, the kind of start he was off to, but um, Austin Meadows went on the aisle with a thumb sprain and is going to miss some time with that. But regardless, in Wendell's absence, Brandon Lau and, and Yandy Diaz have both been, they've been a revelation, you know, revelations, I guess, since there's more than one of them. Uh, and I think they've secured playing time. And Joey Wendell's kind of boring, right? Pretty boring. He's, he's a little boring. He's, he was pretty good last year, but not in a super exciting way. I'm sure there will be times over, I mean, we all thought Yandy Diaz was a little bit boring coming into this season. Gio Gonzalez opted out of his contract with the Yankees. Scott Kingery and Gene Segura both on the IL with hamstring injuries for the Phillies. I did notice Cesar Hernandez hitting second yesterday. Could be a little boost to his value. Yeah, he's been hot. Cesar Hernandez has been hot. Uh, I was not really buying into the Scott Kingery thing. The strikeouts were way down, but otherwise I wasn't seeing much to get excited about. It's nice to get that, that, that little pest out of the way, though. Little pesky kingery. So Come on. I guess we're going to, because Odubel's on the IL as well. So we're going to see a lot more uh, Altair, or I don't see another option. Uh, is Nick, Nick Williams, I assume, is still around? Nick Williams could be there as well. Um, we are yeah. up on our backup Phillies outfielders. Jordan Lyles does not expect to miss his next start. The Indians DFA'd Hanley Ramirez. Who could have seen that coming? Nate Evaldi was placed on the 10-day IL with loose bodies in his elbow. The Diamondbacks acquired Blake Swihart. Mike Clevenger will not have surgery on his back. And that's going to do it for that section of the news. We'll just break it up a little bit. Hey, real quick, Scott. Is Christian Yelich the number one overall pick if we drafted right now? <laughs> no. What do you mean? He might no? be he might be the third overall pick. That's as high as I'd be willing to go. But no, I would not back off my initial Mike Trout, certainly not Mike Trout, and Mookie Betts stance. Uh Yelich does look like a MVP caliber player, though, legitimately. And he's been the best player in baseball for the last calendar year, right? For the last calendar I don't I mean I'm I haven't looked up that number. He might have been. Yeah, I mean, I know he obviously had a tremendous finish. But look, you tell me. You're an analyst. Would you take Yelich first overall? I'm a host right now. You're the analyst, and that's why it was, hey, real quick. <laughs> Scott says Christian Yelich is still not the number one overall pick. Hey, real quick, is Pete Alonzo maybe a top five first baseman? Uh, definitely could be. The potential is there. 
I think the fact that Bellinger's off to the start he's off to and Reese Hoskins is now eligible at first base makes it tougher. But, um, you know, depending what happens to Joey Votto, well, even if you take Joey Votto out, that's still five at the top that I feel really good about. I have I have Alonzo like right around tenth at the position, but you could you could make the case for him high as sixth, I guess. I I have him right around tenth to twelfth as well in a similar spot. Um, I just got to thinking yesterday: Are there five other first basemen that I'm sure? are going to be better than Pete Alonso the rest of the year. He hits the ball so hard. It doesn't seem like it's really fair to have his strength with the baseballs they're using these days. Yeah, he's he's kind of up there with... I, I don't know if it exactly rates out this way, but um, Aaron Judge, in terms of exit velocity, he gets. And, you know, I'm not... Sure. I mean, that's right. Obviously, he's less proven than the others, and the others are giving me no reason to believe they're not still studs. Those being beyond Bellinger and Hoskins, I'm putting Goldschmidt, Freeman, and Anthony Rizzo up there. Um, so that's that's kind of the group he's competing with now. It's it's not outside the realm of possibility he's the best first baseman this year, Alonso, but. You know, you're talking about a rookie with less than 100 plate appearances, and um, we don't know exactly what could go wrong for him when those others are obviously proven studs. So I I don't think you could really talk about ranking him ahead of them yet. We have not talked hardly at all about the starting pitchers from the weekend. We're over halfway into the show. We've got several players getting closer to coming back. We're going to talk about those things and more right after this. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, Scott, we had a lot of guys get hurt over the weekend, but we have a lot of guys, it sounds like, are getting ready to work their way back. Gary Sanchez could be back by Wednesday. How bad would your Gary Sanchez replacement have to be for you to start Gary Sanchez this week? I don't think bad at all. Catcher is abysmal. It's abysmal. So, Like if you um, picked up Estudio. He's been playing a little more, but I... 
he wasn't widely available when Sanchez went down, I don't think. So I you know, even even a guy like Mitch Garver, who's had two home runs, I believe, Saturday and uh, has looked good. He started one of the the twins past six games. You know, even there there's just either either there's not a lot of production happening at the position. That that's mostly the case. Or um, guys aren't playing regularly enough, or both. It's it's so bad. Like if you picked up like an Austin Hedges or I don't know, like Brian McCann may have been your replacement, somebody like that. You, I think you just go to Sanchez, and his half week's going to be better than a full week of most anybody else who would be widely available in fantasy because they might only be playing half a week anyway, just because of as much as they said. One guy you can't do that with is Gregory Polanco, because I don't know for sure that he's coming back this week, but there's a good chance he's coming back, and you should at least make sure that Gregory Polanco is owned no matter what kind of league you're in, because he should be back in the next week to two. Carlos Martinez is a week away from starting a rehab assignment. Are you making sure that he is owned? They're not. They're still non-committal on the role. Um, obviously, if he's a middle reliever, he's not going to be that useful in fantasy. But they have needs in their starting rotation, uh, and they might still be willing to do that. It would be a long wait, you know, just because he's beginning a rehab assignment. If he's if he's building up a starter's workload, we're talking a month at least, probably till we see him in the majors. So. I don't know that in shallow leagues, like 12 teams or fewer, he has to be owned. If you have a free IL spot, obviously, why not? But if you don't, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not super excited about stashing him. Athletics GM David Force said he expects Matt Olson back within two weeks. Are you making sure he's rostered? Yes, he probably should be rostered everywhere. Maybe you could get away with not doing it in a points league. Just depends on what kind of IL space you have, who else is already there. Uh, I do expect that the power will be limited for maybe the first month after he returns, just because that's what we've seen from uh, broken handmade bones in the past. It certainly played out that way for both Yuli Gurriel and Justin Turner last year. But eventually they got back to being their normal selves. Daniel Murphy and Todd Frazier both played in rehab games over the weekend. Frazier doesn't matter for fantasy, obviously, but I, I feel like it's pretty likely Murphy is going to have a, a major negative impact on Garrett Hampson's playing time. And oh, yeah. I wonder, though, are the Mets actually going to try to play Todd Frazier regularly when he comes back? Or you think he's just rehabbing so he can sit on the bench? I think he's rehabbing so he can sit on the bench. Okay. He might play against left-handers. Like he might be somebody who spells uh, um, Jeff, Jeff McNeil. McNeil. Yeah, yeah, against left-handers. When Which would be that's bad. Mostly... Well, he's already he's already been sitting against left-handers, McNeil. Yeah. He hasn't. He's been sitting for J.D. Davis instead. Uh, or or they could follow through on their plan of playing McNeil in the outfields, and maybe Frazier gets more playing time at third. Uh, but that would. That would mean they're they're kicking a good defensive option out of the outfield. So that, I mean, I, I guess it could play out that way. But either way, I'm not excited about Frazier. I don't think it impacts Pete Alonso's playing time anyway. You know, no, I wouldn't think so. Um, Shohei Otani will see live pitching this week. Nick Senzel will report to AAA this week. Reporting to AAA is something apparently Otani is not going to do. He's going to skip the rehab assignment and just join the big league club. 
Would you rather have Sinzel or Otani on your roster right now? Let's assume it's a weekly roster, not daily. So I'm just want to follow up on what I was saying. It looks like J.D. Davis. It looks like McNeil's already been playing a lot of left field, and J.D. Davis has just been starting against righties and, and doing well. Um, so that might impact J.D. Davis most of all, the Frazier return. But yeah, getting to the question between Otani and um, and uh, Senzel, I would go Otani because we know we know once he's ready to go, he'll be back. We know he's good. We know he's in an IL spot right now, so you can stash him easier. Uh, but I am excited about Senzel. I think he's, after Guerrero, of course, he's the best minor leaguer to stash. It's just... It's it's a little harder to do than Otani, and the rewards are less certain. We had four double dongs on the weekend: Christian Yelich again on Saturday, Ryan Zimmerman, Josh Donaldson, Tommy Listella, all three on Sunday. Some really relevant names there. Let's get to some hitter ads before we get to the pitchers. Uh, you, I mentioned Estudio earlier. He's still just seventy four percent owned. We've talked about a lot of catchers that are just getting added because they've been hot. He had three more hits and a home run over the weekend. He's a number 12 catcher in points, even with the amount of playing time he's had so far this season. I think Williams' studio needs to be owned and started in most leagues. Yes. I mean, points leagues, he has the advantage of not striking out much in Roto League. I mean, particularly if we're talking two-catcher league, that's obvious. Um but he's going to be help in batting average because he never like never strikes out. Like I, his, I, lo- I love his stat line. Strikeout to walk ratio, one to one for the year. That's yeah. not a ratio. So, That's the actual numbers of strikeouts and walks he has this season. So he should hit 300 just because he's never striking out, right? The, the league average Babbitt, 295. He's probably had some bad luck there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he's, he does see like that. The twins seem to be coming to the idea around to the idea of playing him more. He started between first base and catcher. He started four of the last six games. That's actually, sorry, five of the last seven games. I mean, that's, that's more than the average catcher, frankly. So yeah, I agree. He should probably be owned, started everywhere. Couple guys we mentioned earlier, Ryan McMahon, seventy-two percent. He is now second base eligible and probably a borderline top twelve second baseman at that. Christian Walker, when I looked last night, sixty-one percent had six more hits over the weekend. You do have to watch and make sure he's not going to go on the injured list, but I think he's okay from what it sounded like. And then I've got some other names. You just tell me if there's any interest at all. I'll start with one that's easy for you. Alex Gordon, 67% owned now. Hit his fourth home run on Sunday. Has a 398 on base percentage. Has he done it for long enough for you to start believing again? No, and I haven't added him anywhere either, but it's it's obviously really good. I, I'm trying to find reasons why he's <laughs> different. I'm not seeing it in the batted ball profile. Yes, he's striking out less, and that helps, but it doesn't explain the power resurgence. He said he's straightened up his posture at the plate last August, but you look at what he did last August and September. It was okay. It wasn't near this good. Uh, I, I want to find a reason to believe because I love guys who walk a lot and strike out little as he's done so far, but it's, I'm not, I'm not finding much and he's 35. Seems weird. Shin Su Chu, speaking of old dudes that can rake 56% owned hitting 323, 318 now with a 430 on base percentages. Updated statistics are nice. Of course, not striking out at all. He doesn't. 
I don't really get why he's only 56% on. We don't have that many three outfielder roto leagues. Yeah. I don't I don't get it either. Um he he can't, he had a good year last year. Slow finish and I think there was a back issue going on at the time that was still bothering him some this spring. So I understand why there wasn't a lot of enthusiasm coming into the year even though it was a good year overall, but I think he's I think he's put those concerns to rest, right? He's yes, definitely would... in my top 10 sleeper hitters for this week. Uh, Jose Martinez, Justin Smoke, Avisail Garcia, Rowdy Telez, four more names you could look to add. Who's the one you like the most out of that group, Scott? I like Justin Smoke okay. the most. That was what, that was one of the names you mentioned, right? Yep. You uh, you nailed it. Let's get to pitchers. And, of course, we have to start the pitchers with the Stallion Report. No, we're not going to play that terrible song, Please Stop Asking. Trevor Richards, six and a third innings over the weekend. Only gave up three earned runs. So it was a quality start. Struck out seven. He was outdone by Caleb Smith. Six innings of one earned, with one earned run. Eight strikeouts. Now is a 2.35 ERA. The one thing I'll say about Richards, and it hasn't happened to Smith yet, Trevor Richards has like a 3.7 ERA, and I think he's 0-3 on the season. That is still a problem for both of these guys. It's going to be difficult for either of them to be like a top 30 starting pitcher in a points league if they win eight games. But Smith, in particular, looked fantastic. Oh, yeah. He's been he's been lights out this year. There's I think he's only 79% owned, which is ludicrous. Uh, but Richards... You know, I, I'm certainly not giving up on Richards. He he has one non-quality start this year, and yet I feel like we still haven't seen his him deliver his best outcome yet in this last this most recent start, which was you know fine. It was six and a third innings, three and runs, seven strikeouts, twenty two st- stringing swinging strikes, thirteen on that changeup. That's so good, but that is that is a huge number. I don't think Caleb Smith. He may have had that number in one of his starts, but that's that's not something you see except from pitchers who have elite stuff. And um, Trevor Richards, he needs to cut down on the walks, but the stuff looks really good. Both of these guys are, in my opinion, very close to must-own, and it just goes to show you um, how what the bubble that we live in because I am in a league... Most of my leagues have Chris Towers in them. Most of them have Scott White in them. I cannot imagine either of these guys are available in either. Trevor Richards is available in 42% of CBS leagues right now. Yeah, that's that's nuts because, you know, points league is the shallower league that we talk about and that is widely played on our, on our site. And that's where you need pitchers most. So it's. I think it probably has to do with that win-loss record. Like you said, he's just not showing up high enough in the scoring but he's going to win some games he's not going to win a lot of games he's going to win enough that he'll be somebody who's worth rostering everywhere and just to follow up on the swinging strikes note i gave caleb smith season high is 18 and like i said trevor richards just had a 22 game of 22 they're they're both inside my top 40 starting pitchers now. I it's going to be hard for them to get a, a lot higher than that. It's going to be hard for either of them to have like a true ace season just because of the situation. But that doesn't mean they can't be very good fantasy starters for you. Getting into studs being studs. 
one guy that I think after his last start we decided it was okay. Another one that had been struggling up until this start. Steven Strasburg, James Paxton, both phenomenal over the weekend. Strasburg 11 Ks in eight innings, no earned runs. Yeah, it was against the Marlins. James Paxton 12 Ks, six innings pitched, no earned runs. Yeah, it was against the Royals. Yeah, but they're good. They're good. I, I, Strasburg's velocity has been down, uh, but the strikeouts haven't been down. So I'm not. I'm not so concerned about it. His secondary stuff's good enough that he doesn't. He he's one of those pitchers who I think can figure out how to succeed with less velocity, and um, you know, obviously facing the Marlins helps. But I I think he's fine. Yeah, I, I didn't really move Strasburg in my rankings at any point. He was one of those guys that I was getting close to thinking, okay, if the next start is that bad, I might have to drop him a couple of spots. But he's still very easily in my top 20 starting pitchers. I've got him 14th right now, 15th, 15th actually. So I, I'm pretty confident in him. A guy I think that's kind of tough to rank still is Clayton Kershaw. He had a, another good start against the Brewers. The four walks were weird, but maybe he was pitching at Miller Park, and you just can't be too careful at Miller Park. Did strike out seven Brewers, only gave up two earned runs. I right now have Kershaw as my number nine starting pitcher. How crazy is that? Ooh. It's aggressive. It's aggressive. I, I think especially knowing there's going to come a point where he's going to have to rest that back. Uh, but in terms of when he's healthy enough to pitch, I think he's going to be reliable. He was last year, even though the rates were all down. Like he's not hes not a guy I see contending for Cy Youngs anymore, maybe never again, uh, just because he's always going to have that back issue to contend with. But, um, you know, reduced velocity doesn't seem to matter. He's He's... He's still missing enough bats, and kind of like I was saying with Strasburg, obviously to a more advanced degree, uh, just a good enough pitcher to maneuver a loss of velocity. Hyunjin Ryu came back off the disabled list again at Milwaukee. Struck out nine and five and two thirds. He's he's been very very good whenever he's pitched, and now he's back healthy. Should we be considering him like a top 30 starting pitcher? I think he's in the discussion. Yeah, I don't I have him probably too low in my rankings. And a lot of it has to do with it's the Dodgers. And, you know, he, I know he's not going to give me the innings just because of that. They're going to find reasons to rest him and mix in Ross Stripling, Julio Arias, who are both going to be out of a job once Rich Hill comes back. But. Rio seems very safe to start when he's healthy. I wrote a piece on Friday um, talking about they might be aces, and I knew what was going to happen as I would write about these guys, and then over the weekend they'd all have disastrous starts and make the article look ridiculous. Only Shane Bieber really did that. One of the guys who definitely didn't do that, Luis Castillo, another phenomenal start, nine strikeouts, six innings, only gave up one earned run, he has legitimately been one of the best starting pitchers in baseball so far this season. Do you think he can keep it up? I mean, he's not going to keep up a 140 ERA or whatever it is, 147. But I do think this is a legit breakout. This is exactly what we were waiting for from him. Uh, a guy who looked like he could be a standout in all three of the FIP measurements. 
And actually, he hasn't been in the walks. The walks have been kind of high. But in terms of getting ground balls to avoid home runs, ton of strikeouts with that changeup, it's it's all coming together for him. And by the way, he looked great down the stretch last year, too. So not totally out of left field. Terrible start last year, but started to put things together. And I think he's even taken another step forward with, with the strikeouts this year. The one guy, other guy I think we really need to talk about from this group, and I'm not even sure... Like I, I didn't have enough time to go through the 17 different categorizations that Adam does, so I'm putting this guy in a stud being stud, and we'll see if you think he's really a stud. And he's a brave. It's Max Freed. He had another very good start on Sunday night against the Cleveland Indians, did strike out six batters and six and a third, walked three, only gave up two earned runs. I, I am, I'm having a hard time buying the way that he's doing what he's doing. Are you trying to sell Max Fried high? I don't think it's a bad idea for a number of reasons. I agree with you that other than run prevention, he hasn't really stood out in any way. And I, he's avoided hits. I mean, I, I think he's, I think he's, I think he's good, but I think he's not as good as maybe his last three starts would lead people to believe. This was his first game with double-digit swinging strikes. He only has really the two pitches, and I feel like like the curveball gets rave reviews, but when your only pitches are a fastball and a curveball, and it's you know a curveball with a really good shape, I imagine it's got to look so different coming out of the hand than the fastball that it's just not that deceiving. It's hard to hit, but it's it's not a pitch that's going to get a lot of strikeouts for him. Um, and then the fact that obviously... He has all the the innings concerns of a young pitcher breaking in. I think he was, I know he was less than like 140 innings last year. And the fact that the Braves have so many other young pitchers they're trying to work in, there's going to come a point where either they're going to have a short leash with him if he has, a, you know, two or three bad starts, or they're just going to want to rest him, maybe a phantom DL injury, or IL situation. Uh, but he's not going to be somebody you can bank on all season long, I don't think, even though it's obviously encouraging, obviously a step in the right direction. Maybe excite, you have reason to be excited about him in like a dynasty scenario. But yeah, I have I have questions about his ability to sustain this. A couple other notes on studs being studs before we get to the guys we really need to talk about, the duds. Robbie Ray had a good bounce back start against the Cubs. The strikeouts weren't there, but the walks weren't there either, so it was a good performance. Six innings, just one earned run allowed. Marcus Stroman... Very good against the Oakland Athletics. Went eight innings, only gave up one earned run. Now has an ERA below two and needs to be viewed as a must-own, must-start starting pitcher, I believe. I'm putting him in the trust zone. David Price, 10 strikeouts in five innings pitched against his old team in the revenge game against Tampa Bay. And then John Gray, not a lot of strikeouts again, but six shutout innings at home against the Phillies. Anytime you get a good productive start from John Gray at home, that's fantastic because that means that's one less home start he has to make in the future. Let's get to the duds. What is wrong with Noah Syndergaard? Five innings pitched, six runs, only four of them were earned, five strikeouts, two walks at St. Louis. Is are, is he going to have any good starts this year? <laughs> he hasn't yet, but the stuff seems fine. So I, just because of that, I think it's, you can call him a buy low. He is his reason for struggling. The one he's giving is that he's having trouble repeating his delivery. And he said, this is something he hasn't dealt with 
since 2014 when he was still in the minors. And if if you're up on your Noah Syndergaard knowledge, 2014 was the year he had a 460 ERA at AAA, and there were some doubts beginning to emerge about whether or not he was this stud prospect that he was considered to be before that. Um, but obviously, the next year was the year he broke through in the majors and was obviously great. He got it. He got it figured out, and I think he will this year too, especially since it's something he says he's dealt with before. So yeah, I think he's a buy low. Max Scherzer gave up six runs to the Marlins in five and a third, but he struck out nine. He didn't walk any. I don't really care. Charlie Morton, six innings pitched, five earned runs against Boston. The strikeouts were still there. We don't really care about that one either, right? Right, right. I mean, a bigger concern with Morton is how often is he going to get to pitch six innings because there hasn't been. And he just did it when he gave up five runs. That's pretty great. I know. Colin McHugh got lit up against the Texas Rangers. Nine earned runs in three and a third innings pitched. Just one strikeout. Only one walk. I guess that's a positive. They just beat him all over the park. This is just one bad outing, and you don't care that much, right? Well, it is one bad outing. And like I said earlier, at Texas, it makes it easier to give a guy a pass for that. Just like it's easier to give a pass against the Braves. Shane Bieber did just go two and a third, <laughs> gave up five earned runs against Atlanta. He only walked one. He struck out three. He had been very good in his first three starts. I jinxed him by writing an article about him. It's okay. We're not going to worry about Shane Bieber, right? Yeah, I'm not worried about Shane Bieber. No, as good as he was before that. That Braves lineup, it's tough. Got a I lot was... of high OBP guys in there. And Josh Donaldson went. He's coming back. He's bouncing back in a loud way here. I hope you didn't give up on Josh Donaldson. He did double dong. You let me gloss over his name, pretending like he was in the same classification as Tommy LaStella earlier, so I'm glad you got something in there good about Josh Donaldson at the end. I was going to call this guy a stud being a dud, but then you dropped him over the weekend, so I think we can all agree he's a fringy starting pitcher now. Rick Porcello. Five and two-thirds innings pitched. Only gave up two earned runs. Has an ERA of like 8.7 now. And no longer owned by Scott White in a points league. Yes. It was a situation where this this tends to be the league where the best players are available on waivers of all the leagues I play in. So I'm hoping to get away with it. I don't think Porcello is done. But... I wanted to free up a roster spot, and his horrible start to the season had gave me an excuse to do that. Like, if you cut his innings pitched in half, you would almost have his ERA. Yeah, he has been disastrously bad. His teammate, but, but this was a step in the right direction. Th- this right? was a uh, almost a quality start. His teammate almost had a quality start as well. Eduardo Rodriguez, five and a third, six Ks, three earned runs. He's been really terribly bad also so far this year. This start wasn't quite as good as Porcello's in some ways. It was better in others. These guys are both owned in right around 80% of leagues. Which one would you rather have? I'd rather have Eduardo Rodriguez. He is doing some interesting things beneath the surface. 16 swinging strikes in this start, even though it wasn't very good. 18 in the last start. He had 13 in his first start, so... You know, three with a really high number of swinging strikes. And in this start, he got six on it, the cutter. Um, 
So in the past, he'd been mostly a fastball changeup guy, but it seems like he's having some success with other the, the rest of his arsenal in a way he hasn't before. Got off to a terrible start, but it's been a little better here lately. Um, I think he's interesting. I think he might be a buy-low candidate. I kind of feel like the Brewers are looking at all of us out in uh, Brewer fan land and the fantasy community and saying, well, are you happy? We started all of the young kids. We didn't put any of those old, boring pitchers in that you wanted to. And now all the young kids are either hurt or bad. Brandon Woodruff with another subpar outing over the weekend. Five earned runs allowed. Five and two-thirds innings pitched. He walked three. He has a 5.81 ERA. The FIP, I got a little pushback the last time I questioned him because the FIP is better. The strikeouts are there. He's just not been able to actually be good yet. Are you holding mm-hmm. on to Brandon Woodruff, or is he just lucky that Freddie Peralta got hurt and Corbin Burns is worse? Yeah, I don't really worry about him so much from a job security standpoint, but there's not much incentive to start him right now, like you're saying. So I don't like he hasn't had a single quality start yet, but the strikeout rate's high. You know, you point you point to the reasons why you can still be encouraged. Uh, I don't think he's. I don't think you have to hold on to him. But it's kind of like Rick Porcello, where if I was dropping him, I'm doing so more because I feel like I can get away with it than because I think he's just bad, and I would be keeping a close eye on him going forward. Somebody tweeted at us, and I'd actually already put this guy in the notes, but somebody tweeted and said, when can we just accept that Derek Rodriguez is actually a good pitcher? Five and two-thirds against the Pirates, only four strikeouts. He's not a big strikeout guy. This is actually a little disappointing for a Rodriguez start because he usually, when he's good, goes deeper into games. But he did only give up two earned runs. He's off to a relatively good start. I always like starting Rodriguez at home. Is he someone you'd consider starting on the road against at least good matchups? So let's just look at him on on a surface level, okay? If If we assume he's really as good as he's been. He's still a non-strikeout pitcher for a terrible team. With fantastic control. Even so, I mean, that that's not much to get excited about. And then beyond that, you look at the fact that he's somehow having this success despite giving up tons of hard contact, tons of line drives. I think there's a good chance it just all falls apart for him at some point. Man, so the answer to your tweet, sir, is Scott's never going to acknowledge it. Four guys, fringy starting pitchers, that had uh, relatively encouraging starts over the weekend. I want you to rank these four guys for me. You can talk a little bit about the one you're most excited about. Kyle Gibson, six innings, only two in runs allowed at Baltimore. Did have six strikeouts. Matt Strom bounced back. Eight innings, five strikeouts, one earned run against Cincinnati. Jordan Lyles had a good outing against the San Francisco Giants with six strikeouts and six shutout innings. And then Vince Velasquez, five and two-thirds, struck out eight at Colorado. Which of these guys are you most excited about? And go ahead and rank them. I am most excited about Lyles, uh, followed by Velasquez, followed by Kyle Gibson, mostly because of what he did last year. Still not feeling Matt Strom. His velocity is way down from his time in the bullpen last year on all of his pitches, but the fastball and slider are are, are the best two. Um, he was not a good bat-missing performance here against the Reds. 
five strikeouts in eight innings, you know, obviously got a good result, but it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, the underlying stats weren't anything to get excited about. And I'm, I'm kind of beyond the idea that he's going to be this big breakout in a starting pitcher role, just because with the reduced stuff, he's no kind of bat misser. So he's still, he, he's bottom on the list for me. I really want him to be good now because last week you wrote the 16 things that Scott White was already wrong about. And Matt Strom mm-hmm. being good was in that 16 things. And I think he's had two good starts since you wrote that. And I just think it would be fun if he's really good until you buy back in and then it's just terrible again. Because that type of thing happens to me all the time. <laughs> yeah, the yo-yo effect. No, I'm not. I am not turning, changing my opinion on Matt Strom un- unless he starts. Unless he strings together a few starts where he has a strikeout per inning or better. I have been impressed with Velasquez so far this year, at least in his ability to work out of trouble, which is something he just could not do the last two seasons and was really the only reason that he wasn't a decent fantasy pitcher because he has good stuff. He'd just get a man on base and he'd panic and things would go all kinds of haywire. He's been much better in that situation so far this year. They talked in the offseason about how he was working with a mental coach. Hopefully that's something that actually paid off a little bit. And uh, he can have a good start outside of Coors as well. Uh, We're going to finish it off with five pitchers who had relatively good, some great outings over the weekend. And I just want you to tell me, Scott, do any of these guys matter? Chase Anderson threw five innings, struck out five, did not give up a run against the Dodgers. Dylan Bundy was okay against the Twins. Reynaldo Lopez was very good against the Tigers. Tyler Chatwood was throwing strikes. He only walked two batters in six innings. And then Anthony Desclafani. Six innings, just one earned run, six strikeouts. Do any of these guys matter? I think the one who could potentially matter is Reynaldo Lopez, who has put together two good starts in a row. Um, he said at the start of the streak, he looked at some video from when he was at his best last year and made some mechanical adjustments based on that. Got throttled his first few starts. And I think still has a lot to prove, but I'm at least keeping an eye on him. He throws hard, seems to have a pretty good breaking ball, and uh, seems to throw a pretty good number of strikes. So I'm at least keeping an eye on him. The others, I'm kind of over. Dylan Bundy, for the second straight year, has been getting a lot of swinging strikes, but with no no results to get excited about. So I think we're we're kind of moving on from him. I tell you, yeah, one I thir- just wanted to check what I said on Lopez. The walks have been high. One person we found out today for sure matters is Adam Azer. He'll be back tomorrow, so you won't have to listen to me trying to run this show. Thank you all, though, for listening to this Monday edition. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday.